Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of Fibonacci to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the tautological Templar fallacy. Quite like Fibonacci. Fibonacci, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's Pride Month, so I thought that's... Uh, there you go, that's yeah. But it's also something to do with the flamboyance of his untruths. Uh-huh. It's yeah. quite good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the tautological Templar is yeah. a kind of circular reasoning. Well, there's a lot of circular reasoning involved in it anyway. Mm-hmm. And it is yeah. where someone claims that because of the kind of person they are, that informs the kind of things they say or the things they do. So they, so the Templar, right. for example, the Knights Templar, uh, uh, yeah. would yeah. would have thought they're good people and therefore everything they do is good. Good. And yeah. the, the way they know they're good people is because of all the good things they do. Right, but they're only good because they're good people. Yeah, but it's and, that, that and hence the, the circular reasoning. Yes, yes, it. yes. So, yeah. The so if you, if you think yes. that you, were, you, can't, you wouldn't say things that weren't true because you, that's not the kind of person you are. And you, can, and you can tell that's not the kind of person I am because... Because of all the I true stuff you say. Stuff I say. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. See? Right, okay. So the Knights Templar, is it a... Why is it particularly Templars? Were they were they keen on being seen to be doing good things? Absol- well, they kind of justified all kinds of whilst uh, killing the Moors, exactly, slaying yeah. the they Moors. They justified yeah. their their arguably negative behaviour. <laughs> yeah, somewhat intemperate. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, by saying it was you know the the ends justified the means. Essentially, was what they were saying. Right, was, you know, it, right. what we're doing must be righteous. It must be good because yeah. we are doing it in the name of righteousness yeah and we <laughs> do righteous things yeah therefore those are righteous we're good things. people yeah and these are righteous things because we're righteous people exactly okay yeah right so the right. kind of canonical presidential example would be mm-hmm. nixon's assertion that if the president does it it's not illegal mm-hmm. which trump very much kind of picked up and ran live spy <laughs> yes yes yeah and his supporters yeah. did too and his kind of acolytes so here is dershowitz alan dershowitz kind of defending him on the eve of his one of his impeachments whichever the impeachment about zelensky <laughs> yeah uh, when he was trying right. to get zelensky to to uh, open an investigation into biden every public official that i know believes that his election is in the public interest and mostly you're right your election is in the public interest. And if a president does something which he believes will help him get elected in the public interest, that cannot be the kind of quid pro quo that results in impeachment. Oh, there's a lot of of causal connections there that are not particularly there. Absolutely. So the argument is that in trying to get Zelensky to open up an investigation into Biden, yeah. he's kind of acknowledging that that is an attempt to do, to do something which will help Trump get re-elected. But that isn't yeah. a nakedly personal political aim. That is, because, that is for the good of the country. Because right? elections 
are for the good of the yeah. So country. so Trump being elected yeah. again would be good for everyone. Therefore, what he's doing is good for everyone. Therefore, right. you can't say that he shouldn't do it because yeah, you know. Yeah. And that, so essentially, what that means is anything the president does at all, no matter yeah. what, if he thinks it will help him get reelected, then that's yeah. that's a good thing. And you can't, yes, you because, can't impeach him for because it. elections are a good thing because that's for the good of the people. So well, people yeah. who are working to get elected are doing something to to perpetuate that good thing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, one yeah. of the flaws in Dershowitz's <laughs> argument, one of them, yeah, is that he said, you know, all, all of the public officials believe that them being elected mm. is a good thing. Um, yeah, and and for most of them it is, and I think that is very broad for some of them really yeah. isn't really isn't a good yeah. thing so yeah exactly for, for many of them it's not a good <laughs> thing it just for the people that it's many yeah. of them or yeah. all or most of yeah. them even you can't yeah. then apply that to everyone because there are people who yeah. definitely shouldn't be elected yes and so doing stuff that results in them getting elected isn't an inherently good act. Yes, the opposite argument has got to be some people ought not to be elected. Yeah. Many of whom are elected for the Republicans. <laughs> then, but yeah, so, so by the same argument, if you use the same logical steps, some of the, ele- the election of some of these officials would not be in the public interest. Therefore, anything that they do to get elected is not in the public interest. Yeah, Even if they rescue cats out of trees... <laughs> Uh-huh. That's for in order yeah. to get elected. That's that's, that's an inherently not, bad thing if they are yeah. not the type of person who should be elected. Yes, and that, that rescuing a kitten from a tree would lead to their election. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> that's a bad. Leave it there. <laughs> Just leave it there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But when Trump did actually get elected, but before mm-hmm. he'd taken office, his most loyal supporter, I guess, Kellyanne right. Conway, was being interviewed yeah. by Jake Tapper, and was asked about the kind of behaviour that Trump had been exhibiting just even at that point, even like as as president-elect. He tweeted that there were millions of fraudulent votes. There's no evidence that there were millions of fraudulent votes. Is that really presidential behaviour? Well, he's the president-elect, so that's that's presidential behaviour, yes. So the and things I that Bill Clinton did that in the Oval Office the that you criticised, that those were presidential? Are you actually comparing what Bill Clinton did in the Oval Office You're saying Office if the president does it, it's presidential. Shall, I'm we saying, re- shall we review for those who weren't born then what President Clinton did in I'm the Oval Office? I'm saying just because a president does something doesn't make it presidential. And that's exactly what she's saying. Yeah, absolutely. And, cool, that was in the days when journalists would really hold people to account. Yeah, they'd <laughs> argue they'd back ask about those guys, Yeah, yeah. So that's, yes, there, so there's a lot of cherry-picking going on. <laughs> Only if Trump does presidentials. No, because he's the president. He's the president-elect, therefore, therefore anything the he does thing he does is, is presidential, yeah. So, yes, the counter, a, a nice counter. So the things that you say Clinton was, it was a non-unpresidential, those things, then surely they were presidential. Yeah. But the, yes, but they don't, they're not working from a position of logic. They're yeah, working that's from the a problem. position of loyalty. <laughs> that's the problem with trying to use logic. And that's probably why why journalists don't do it anymore, because they've recognised that it has no effect on these no, people. No, it's absolutely pointless. Yeah. And, and, and nor to the people watching them be slavishly loyal. <laughs> it doesn't work on them either. Yeah. And... 
Now is the time, I think, for Marx British politics. Corner. So I think the equivalent of Kellyanne Conway in the UK is probably Nadine Dorries. So yeah. she's going yeah. to she's going to feature in 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 my examination of slavish loyalty that leads them to sort of all sorts of illogical statements because. Boris himself has been very careful not to come out and say directly, but it is at the heart of his defence during all the COVID rule-breaking investigations. That is that number 10 has special privileges because it's number 10. And if they break the rules, then that rule-breaking behaviour is not behaviour that they could be held account to account for bringing the Office of Prime Minister into distribution because that behaviour is prime ministerial behaviour. And therefore doesn't break the rules and is in beyond reproach. And and in fact, to prove that, Boris got his own cabinet secretary that he appointed to look into it. And, and then the problem with that was, even though everybody could see that, the results of that investigation into whether we broke the rules would be made by somebody that who himself broke the rules... <laughs> He recused himself from looking into it because he had had indeed broke the rules about COVID regulations. So for the lack of Boris and his carefully honed weasel wordedness, we naturally turn to Nadine Doris. There was none of that and carelessly often lets the cat out of the bag. So here she is talking to Krishnan Gurumurthy on Channel 4 News in February 2022, defending Boris about speaking untruths in the House during the debate following the publication of the Sue Gray report into Partygate. The Prime Minister said today in the House of Commons that was basically untrue, and clearly untrue, was his allegation that Keir Starmer was responsible for not prosecuting Jimmy Savile. I know it's that not he, true, and the Prime I Minister know. repeated it. It's an old meme that's just repeated by... Well, you know, there were things that Keir Starmer films. said that someone who was the former director of public prosecutions shouldn't have said at the dispatch box. He didn't say anything he that wasn't true. He shouldn't have prejudged what a Met investigation was going to find. He didn't say anything that was untrue. Well, Boris I, Johnson said something that was untrue. He said things he that were inappropriate. the House today. I, I don't believe that was the case. Well, it, it is what you're saying that Keir Starmer was responsible for. I don't for know. Not I don't know the prosecute. details. Well, that's what the Prime Minister said. Well, I don't, yeah, I mean, he shouldn't have said it, should he? Well, I think there are lots of things that Keir Starmer shouldn't have said. Well, there are clearly things that he said that aren't true. The Prime true. Minister. Now, whether, he was, the whether they were deliberate lies or not has yet to be established. But he's clearly said things to the House that were not true. The Prime Minister tells the truth. So I think apart from all the ad hominems and two cockways and this kind of adolescent, well, I don't know anything about that, (laughs) in a kind of Kevin kind of way, in a sort of, only got your word for that. No, what? (laughs) She, I think at at the heart of it is her assertion that the Prime Minister tells the truth, not that he's telling the truth right now, but Mm, whatever truth the Prime Minister says is the truth. Must be, because he tells the truth. Because he he tells the truth. That's how you know. He's the Prime Minister. He's relying on the truth of his statement for the strength of his argument. Therefore, what he says is the truth. It's almost because he's Prime Minister, then automatically what he says is Prime Ministerially true. And I think that's the, the basis of the entirety of Boris's argument, and he gets incensed. There's an excellent interview with him. He's, try, he's getting on a plane to go somewhere, so he's in the airport, and he gets collared by Sky News, and he sees that he's being collared because the camera's following him, and he ruffles his hair in the old <laughs> dishevelled Boris thing, but it's 
fails to disguise the fact that he's incensed. He's so angry. He, he barely keeps it under control that people just won't believe what he says, and they should because he's saying it. That's the, the very fact that he's saying it renders it true. It's that it's kind of, you know, and, and the word was God and the word was with God, <laughs> you know, because I'm saying it and I'm the prime minister, mm-hmm. this is all prime ministerial and ought not to be investigated because it's beyond reproach. And she'd already popped up in January of 2022 in support of the ability to hold parties where no one else could. And prior to being Secretary of State for Digital, Cultural, Media and Sport, she was Minister of State at the Department of Health. And here she is talking to Sky News. Was it okay in May of 2020 to have an outdoor gathering of more than two people at that time? Those people in number 10 had been working for 18 hours a day. My understanding is that this took place in the evening. But I don't... People I'm up and down the country have been working 18 hours, day, 18 hours days. Some of them NHS workers. And they would have loved to have had the chance to relax with some colleagues after work in the sunshine uh, with a glass of wine. 30 people were there with snacks and alcohol. As a health minister, would you have said that was okay? I would absolutely endorse as many meetings as possible during that time taking place outdoors and as much work as possible taking place outdoors the during that time. The public didn't know that, though. The I've public said, didn't know that, though. Why did the health department not come out and endorse that if that was the case? You weren't allowed to meet more than one person outside. So what's great about is this is that the, the journalist is stripping away the bits of her argument. And the only thing that is left is we are we think we're in a privileged position, therefore we're allowed these privileges. Yeah. And the you know, the privileges of ignoring the fucking rules. If we can do that stuff and because oh we're working eighteen hours a day and everybody else works eighteen hours a day. Well we, we should all meet outside to Nobody else was allowed to meet outside. The unspoken, eaten, educated elephant in the room is... We're in charge. Leave us alone. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) We have privileges. Therefore, we're going to behave in a privileged fashion. And you can see that because of our privileged behaviour, that justifies the privileges Mm. that, that we have. And she's still at it. In March 2023, when Boris is to his eternal chagrin being asked about this stuff. And she tweeted, because the role of a leader during a crisis is to keep morale high amongst those who are working 17 hour days, seven, seven, as morale slumps, number 10 was the engine room of the country. It was important to keep people turning up and working and saying goodbye to someone who was leaving was an act of good crisis leadership and management. During yeah. a time when people weren't able to say goodbye to their dying relatives, yeah, it was really important that they made sure that they were saying goodbye to someone who was leaving yes. the office. Yes, or or using that reasoning because it constantly <laughs> deflects from we believe ourselves to be privileged, therefore we will act in a privileged fashion. So far from merely using the fallacy to defend Boris, here she is using it in her own argument when questioned by John Nicholson, who's the Scottish National Party's shadow secretary of state for digital culture, media and sport in November 2021 in a select committee about her new role as secretary of state for digital culture, media and sport, including her internet safety and online abuse legislation bill. You did retweet about him, I'll quote it. I believe James O'Brien of LBC fame 
is a hate preacher, a liar, a misogynist, UK hater, and an apologist for Islamic atrocities. You tweeted that. I mean, apart from being actionable and defamatory, it's grotesque. Well, I'm glad you agree. I, I don't agree with you, and I have... You I'm think it's appropriate? I, I do understand, you know, the context. In my role as a Secretary of State, but as I said, as a female politician... Nothing to do with being a female politician. Do, it's nothing to... As many females do, yeah. have to respond assertively to the, to the uh, numerous aggressive, unpleasant... I don't think it's a defence to say because you're a woman... You're allowed to accuse people of being uh, Islamic atrocity supporters. That's, um, that does a grave disservice to, to women politicians. You have a patron going back many, many years of saying things that are inappropriate, tweeting things that are inappropriate, and often deleting them. Do you think it's appropriate that somebody who behaves so consistently in an intemperate way should be in charge of online safety legislation in the way that you are going to be. I'm not going to answer that question. That's nothing to do with my role as Secretary of State or, or DCMS. Well, I think it is. <laughs> Chair. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it is a bit, isn't it? Yeah. It, yeah. It's a, a, a good deal to do with... Yeah. yeah. It's, it's you know, fundamentally saying, you're a poacher. Do you think you should be turning gamekeeper? That's, yeah. If you're this... Yes. Uh, so she's... She, just about stop short of being I'm Secretary of State and then this is the kind of the correct behaviour for a Secretary of State. So she, in a way she kind of somewhat acquiesces when she said, oh, well, I can see the context in which, yeah, yeah you've been here for two hours, I think you should. The context of why you're asking me as Secretary of State for digital media, whether this abhorrent and abusive online behaviour ought to be taken into account when asking about the legislation against abusive online behaviour. But what she does is resort to, well, I'm a woman on the receiving end of abuse online. So that kind of gives her excuse. It's the, it reminds me of, the, the I can't remember which comedian it was, but maybe it was even Rich Hall. He would write into newspapers to complain about stuff and would start it with, as a lactating mother of three... <laughs> It's that, yeah. you know, I, yeah, but as if that gives you a privileged position of power that is exempt from and consequently ought to be paid attention to. There's an interesting reversal of, of it, I think, which also popped up in the Daily Express in July last year, which is about the Privileged Committee looking into whether Boris misled Parliament. And I think they're using it to make this the same fallacy to make this claim that the Privileges Committee has decided that Mr Johnson could be guilty of contempt simply for making a misstatement because he is Prime Minister. So given this is the Daily Express, which is a pro-Tory <laughs> rag, they're saying just, just because he's Prime Minister, then him saying something by mistake means that He's likely to be censured for misleading the House just yeah. because he's the Prime Minister. If the thing he said was a lie to the House. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and, but they're kind of 
was pushing it down to say he's <laughs> oh, just just a slap of the tongue because he's the prime a, minister. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's the kind of the look. because he's a prime minister. Then he's on the receiving end mm. of a lot of hatred, not least from the people that uphold the rules <laughs> for ministers themselves. So, yeah, you see, and, and Nadine Doris is on her slot on GB News or whatever it is even though she's still an elected member of parliament and will be until the next general election where she will stand down, cough, cough, second incomes, cough, cough, she's on GB News spouting the fact that the select committee will find him guilty purely because... He's guilty. Because oh, he's... <laughs> Purely because he did the thing he's accused of. And that thing and that, that thing he's accused of is against the rules. Yeah. It's a it's a witch hunt. It's a witch hunt. Absolutely. But as Armando Iannucci talking about David Cameron in 2015 says, because Prime Ministers have total power, they're never gonna suggest anything that limits that power. The Godfather's there with Cause I Said So, which I immediately thought of. We used to cover that in my <laughs> band. A, I thought it sounded very outbursty, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the the line. The original line was, "I don't, I don't read Baudelaire's poetry." That's yeah. I translated it to Boris. <laughs> we tend to read Cicero's poetry because that. Not only are people um, debunking him on the basis of untruths, but when he quotes Cicero, <laughs> there's this kind of niche of um, Greek scholar debunkers <laughs> that would just that would just go through and go. Yeah, yeah, Cicero didn't say he's that. He's not understood or, that at all. He's, he's taken, <laughs> taken that completely out of context. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just, I think what he's done there is just make that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in the Fallacy in the Wild, we'd like to talk about the Fallacy of the Week from a non-political perspective. And our first example this week comes from Friends. Yeah. This is uh, season one. So Phoebe and Rachel mm. haven't known each other long. And right. uh, Phoebe needs to convince Rachel that she is telling the truth. We haven't known each other for that long a time. And um, there are three things that you should know about me. One, my friends are the most important thing in my life. Two, I never lie. And three, I make the best oatmeal raisin cookies in the world. (laughs) Okay. Thanks, Phoebe. 
Oh, my God. Why have I never tasted these before? Oh, well, I don't make them a lot because I don't think it's fair to the other cookies. God. <laughs> mm, well... You're right. These are the best oatmeal raisin cookies I've ever had. Which proves that I never lie. I guess you don't. <laughs> Paolo made a pass at me. So, she's doing quite an interesting thing of kind of trying to provide yeah. evidence, not directly of the thing that she wants Rachel to believe. Yeah. And which Rachel might be sceptical of, because she's currently yeah. going out with Paolo. Yeah. But providing evidence that she is a person who doesn't lie. And therefore, because she is a person who doesn't lie, you should believe the thing she's saying because she would, you know, because it must be true. Via the physical evidence of the of best the cookies. oatmeal raisin yeah. cookies yeah. in the world. Yeah. So. I'd, I'd forgotten that bit and I thought, <laughs> no, I can't remember. Is, <laughs> is Rachel going to pretend that they're tasty and they're actually ghastly? No, no, that was Rachel's trifle. Ah, that she made yes, with, yes. with uh, mixed up shepherd's pie and trifle and, and yes. Joey was like, I don't know what you're worried about. This is lovely. Yeah, what's you like it? It's great. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So our second example comes from Taxi. Yay! This, I think, is also an early episode. Mm -hmm. And Bobby, one of the taxi drivers, yep. he wants to be an actor. And he decided that he was going to give himself, when he came to New York, he was going to give himself three years to become an actor. Mm -hmm. And if he didn't, make it then he'd give up his dream and just be a taxi driver or whatever and it's kind of the deadline to tonight is right. the end of the three years and he's convinced <laughs> that he's going to yeah. get a call for a audition that he's been on well maybe somebody is going to call you bobby but how do you know they're going to call before midnight oh <laughs> well that's simple logic see when you're good at something you end up doing it now i'm not going to end up acting unless i get a phone call before midnight so i'm going to get a call before midnight it's flawless logic. There you go. He is convinced yeah. that he's a good actor. Yeah, and if you're good at something, you'll end up doing it. Yeah. And he'll. the only way he'll end up doing it is if he gets the call before midnight. Yeah. And because he's good at acting, therefore he's going to get the call before midnight and become an actor. Yeah, because if it didn't, then he wouldn't be a good actor because that proves, that would disprove the, the thing yeah. that he already knows about himself, which is that yeah. he's a good actor. Yeah. Oh, I must go back and watch the entirety. Yeah, I did watch the first episode again Great recently. Show. And, it's, and you think, wow, this is like, feels like it's the middle of season three. But no, that was just the first <laughs> yeah, episode. Yeah. Straight out of thing. So our next example is from yep. The Good Place. Ah, it's a show chock full of logical, philosophical conundra. Uh-huh. And this is Brent, who is an awful person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But is in The Good Place for reasons that only become clear when you watch the show. And yep. he has written a book and is hoping that everyone else is going to be very complimentary about it. Okay, you know what? I'm actually not sorry at all. How about that? Is that what you want to hear? Very obviously not. You know what? Why don't we take a break? Let's all get a snack. Not until they give me the complos I rightly deserve. You want a complo? I'll give you a complo. I didn't think it was possible to write a book as awful as yours. I literally didn't think human beings were capable of such racist, sexist poppycock. Also, Chip Driver is either a private eye or the quarterback for the Chicago Bears or the world's strongest president. He cannot be all three. Oh, boy. This is a disgrace. I accomplished something. I wrote a novel, and now my integrity is being attacked. 
I've been called racist, sexist. I don't have a racist or sexist bone in my body. I am Brent Norwalk and I'm a good person. I'm in the good place, you ever heard of it? And I'm here because I deserve to be here. I'm here because I earned it by being the best. So Brent, despite being awful in every possible <laughs> yeah. way, is absolutely convinced <laughs> that he is a good person. A great person, in fact, like the best kind of person. Yeah. And therefore, all of the stuff he does must be amazing. Yeah. All of the stuff he does is is worthy of praise. And not the disparaging criticisms. And yeah. right and good. And that's why he made it to the good place. Because he's in the good place. So that he must that's deserve proof. to be there because that, yes. I mean, I deserve it because I'm in the good place because I'm a good person. Otherwise, how would I be in the good place? Yeah, some of the others who made it to the good place and are not as arrogant as him yeah spend some of their time thinking is there something weird going on is you know am i gonna get found out i'm actually not good and you know what's going on but he from the moment he starts is just like well yeah this makes complete sense yes (laughs) of course i'm in the good place (laughs) yeah yes if you haven't seen it Watch it. It's great, the, great show. the best thing. Speaking of great shows, yeah. our next example, our last example in this section, is from James Gunn's Peacemaker show, which is fucking brilliant. It is yeah. so good. And this is showing what Peacemaker is all about. We don't know yet whether or not his wife and children are butterflies. If so, you'll have to kill all of them. <laughs> what? I thought you loved peace with all your heart, no matter how many men, women, and children you needed to kill to get it. Yes, I said that. I say that, and I, I mean it. It's like that's the vow I took. But kids. So yeah, the peacemaker character mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. loves peace, cherishes peace. Yeah. No matter how many people have to die to get <laughs> to, peace. to achieve it. Yeah. <laughs> Fighting for peace. Yeah, and yeah. he justifies yeah. everything he does, no matter how bad, by yeah. the fact that he's doing it all in the name of peace, and that's a good thing. And therefore, all of the things he does are justified. Going around killing people is not a particularly peaceful activity. No, it does involve quite a lot of death and destruction, yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, quite quite a lack of peace. I mean, how do we... When is he going to end? That's the problem with dictators and peacemaker. When do they know when to stop? At what point is peace achieved? Well, end of season one, there's at least momentary peace. Probably, Uh, Probably it'll get messed up. In season two, I imagine. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. otherwise you'll have nothing to do. I was just wandering around for an hour, oh, half an hour at a time. season, though, going, yeah. 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 Going, well, we've managed to achieve peace. <laughs> yes, we have. Well done. So we're going we're gonna to play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody. As well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. Yeah, because... I've realised no one wants to be a loser, right? That's just logical because that's, you know, you lose. No one wants to be that, which means, therefore, I'm a winner. And so the scores thus far against me show that this is a loaded game because as a winner, I'd only do winning things and the rest is immaterial and probably immoral and illegal, but certainly not illogical. That is almost exactly Trump's view of things isn't it he yes. sees himself as a winner and therefore yeah even when he loses he he really won yes yeah. because the the system yeah has has failed to see that he's a winner uh-huh so the system is at fault yeah yeah he always wins no matter what yeah 
And even when he wins, he complains about the system and millions of votes being faked just in case he wakes up and realises that, oh, no, I'm actually not president. Yeah. So I'll just get that in early. Well, he didn't win the popular vote, you see. That was, that was why uh, it was the three, uh, three to five million yeah, illegals yeah. voted. Yeah. yeah, needed to win all of it. And he didn't win sufficient awards for his version of um, The Apprentice. Yeah. But even even though he didn't win that, he won more than... Schwarzenegger did. Yeah, and also like Michigan Man of the Year and that kind of thing. Yeah. He won those made up awards. So, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Why not? (laughs) Yeah. Because he's a winner. He's a winner. Yeah. Yeah. So, speaking of whom, the theme this week Mm -hmm. is Trump has continually been very keen on executing drug dealers. Right. And so, here are some statistics that he likes to suggest. Okay as reasons why that is a good thing. Right. So statement number one, we really need to get tough on dealers. That's the mistake we're making. Dealers get a slap on the wrist, maybe a week or two in a resort prison, and you know each one, on average, kills 20 people. Each dealer. Think of it. That's like a serial killer is what that is. You think a serial killer would get a week or two in prison? It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Statement number two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he's talking about China at the beginning. If somebody's selling drugs, they have a quick trial and execute the people. And it's a terrible thing when you think about it. But when you really think about it, the average drug dealer, I just saw a statistic. The average drug dealer in this country kills 500 people over a lifetime. 500 people. So when you look at that, and China has no problem. So it's escalating, isn't it? The next one's going to be, it's it's gone from 20. Well, statement number three. Yeah, yeah. Our children are being decimated. You know, one Mm -hmm. drug dealer can kill thousands of people. (laughs) One drug dealer, if you ever did an average, nobody's ever seen this, you've probably never heard this before, but if you ever did an average, a drug dealer will kill thousands of people and we don't even come down on these people. So it's time to start and that time is now, right now. Okay. Mm I like that. I just saw a statistic. This one just, <laughs> one just popped up in my mind's eye. Mm, okay, when you look at that, China has no problem. Uh, I seem to remember him ad- admiring China about the killing their criminals. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. so I'm sort of keen on the middle one as sort of being sort of true. And then it's just a decision to go higher or lower. Higher, higher or lower. Yeah, they're not even for a double, not in this game. Higher or So, okay. Uh, so, are we going to go for 20 people? Or thousands of people? Trouble is, it sounds like Trumpian hyperbole. So, I've just got, I've got to look for another, another tell. Uh, we don't even come down to start that time now, right now. Now, right now. Uh, okay. Or is what that is? Which one's. Okay, all right. I'm going to plump for number three is the one you made up. Children being decimated, thousands of drug dealers. Now, right now. Okay, so of the other two. Yeah. You're more convinced by number two? More fair? convinced by number two, yeah, the okay. China killing drug dealers thing. And number two? That's the one you made up. Is real. 
If somebody's selling drugs, they have a quick trial and they execute the people. And it's a terrible thing when you think about it. But when you really think about it, uh, the average drug dealer, I just saw a statistic, the average drug dealer in this country kills 500 people over a lifetime. 500 people. So when you look at that, and China has no problem. So it's a terrible thing when you it's think ter- about it. It's a terrible thing when you think about it. But when think you really, when think, you really about think about it. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> What do you think about it? When you come to think of it, when you come to think about it, it's so it's execute people, which is a terrible thing. But when you really think about it, yeah, yeah. how many people? It's a mm. logical thing. Yeah, do you want people, one? You you're going to kill one person? Yeah, the greatest good mm. to the greatest number. Yeah. Now, this was this week that he said this one. Oh, my God. And, oh, it sounds uh, properly ancient. Yeah, no, this is this is a recent one. I think he was in Iowa. He said he just saw a statistic, but he's been saying. 500 people since at yeah. least November of last year. Right. So, right. He, I mean, just maybe is doing a lot of work him, there, or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. or he just pretended he just saw a statistic yeah. when actually yeah. he read that, it's, or someone said it to him, or he made it or up. Or he made it up. Or whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, so what at least six months ago. continues to amaze me <laughs> is that he's given license to say this stuff and nobody halfway through a sentence is just saying wrong that's wrong <laughs> uh-huh. it's a lie you made that up uh-huh. he warrants no respect whatsoever so why do people allow him to speak for minutes at a time without just jumping and going shut up you're wrong you're making it up if ever i meet him we should we should go let's go over there just so that we can say that shut, to up. Him. shut up shut up it's wrong you're lying it's all yeah. wrong see how long we last yeah yeah not very long i wouldn't think no so, so you also think that number one is real yeah tough on dealers serial killer is what it is and number one yeah is yeah fake news Oh, I plucked for the wrong one. You went low. Went for the, should have gone went high. Went low, should have gone high. <laughs> oh, no. So that means the other one. Yeah. Is, oh, my Number God. Number three is real. Our children are being decimated. You know, one drug dealer can kill thousands of people. One drug dealer. If you ever did an average, nobody's ever seen this. You probably never heard this before. But if you ever did an average... A drug dealer will kill thousands of people. And we don't even come down on these people. So it's time to start. And that time is now, right now. So that, that oh, it's the usual bloody um, preface to something that doesn't exist, has no right to exist because it's so far from the truth that one ought not to speak it. And that's why nobody's <laughs> ever seen it. Uh-huh. And that's why you've probably never heard this. Yeah, you've never heard anyone else tell this specific lie. No, because I've just Is made it, it up right to now. believe that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. because it would, if, people, if debunkers could keep up with me, they would be debunking this right now. Yeah, I mean, he said, he has said in the past, I mean, you know how he just kind of throws out numbers. He said some drug dealers kill two, three, five thousand people. And at the time when I think it was Washington Post and possibly one other fact-checking organisation got in touch with the White House because he was president at the time and said, look, what are you talking about? This is mad. Yeah, The White House were like, oh, he's not talking about, you know, 
all drug dealers. He's talking about the kind of people at the top of the pyramid, the people who like control the drug trade. They're responsible right. for that many deaths. Okay, which is partly why I didn't use that example. Because yeah, on yeah. these ones, he very specifically says average. Yeah, The average drug dealer kills 500 people is the yeah. statistic he just saw. And, and yeah. the other one, if you ever did an average, a drug dealer will kill thousands of people. The thing is, the, the real truth is one of those ones that is like kind of how many windows are there in New York City or that kind of thing. Because yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. there's no official directory of drug dealers, yes. you know, so there's no, no real way of knowing exactly how <laughs> many there are. Like the, the equivalent of the dark web, but in yellow pages yeah, format. Yeah. yeah. So you can't count the number of drug dealers as such in the US. But between 2010 and 2020, according to National Institutes of Health, about 600,000 people died of drug overdoses in the US. Mm -hmm. So if each drug dealer was responsible for 500 deaths, that would right. suggest that there are only 1,200 drug dealers in the US. Which, Plainly. <laughs> well, the federal government prosecutes a nearly 20,000 drug traffickers a year. Right. So it suggests they're probably trafficking to more than 1,200 drug dealers the national yeah. the 2016 national survey on drug use and health says there are 28.6 million drug users in the u.s so 28.6 right. million americans used wow. drugs in the past year of some and that kind God, of the, the, the 1200 drug They'd dealers be really fucking they're, busy wouldn't they they have work-life balance yeah. be way out wouldn't it god they yeah each would have over twenty-three thousand clients which yeah. they across they several really time zones. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but it's like okay, Father Christmas, because <laughs> they'd be getting well paid for that. Because the Rand Corporation yeah. estimates that Americans spend 150 billion dollars a year on drugs. So wow. each of those 1,200 dealers is making at least 125 million dollars a year yeah. on average. So, so could afford so pretty a well paid, really fast private jet. Yeah, to be yeah. able to deliver stuff, you know, things that Father Christmas would just dream of. Yeah, to, to be able to deliver all that stuff so a more realistic night. estimate is that yeah. there are somewhere in the u.s between one and three million drug dealers right which means that if you go by the national institute of health figures each one on average is responsible for one death every 33 years ah not okay. great still a bad thing yeah but not not, not thousands each person, of people 500 or thousands of people yeah. Uh, well, he doesn't mention the time scale over which he's measuring it. I mean, even if you were, if you if maintained you your century. drug dealing for, the, for for a century, yeah, that's that's yeah. three people. So yeah. still, <laughs> yeah, yeah, on way average, off. quite a long way off. So I was so at least wrong two orders of magnitude low. off his low ball. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you just want people to stop him. So, Mr. President, Donald, can I just stop you there? And that's it. Just walk away. You yeah. don't need to say anything other than that. Can I just stop you there and point to this? People in the know, but ah, but you see that he would apply the I am the winner, therefore what you're showing me, as Nadine Doris would say, well, I've only got your word for that. The president tells the truth. <laughs> Unfortunately, that means that you did oh, not poo. get a point. Yeah. This time, so uh, although you are convinced you're a winner, yeah, the game is loaded against me. 
the bloody dice that mm. you no longer use <laughs> to to select them. The double blind dice have let me down. Well, well I, I, say, I, yeah. I have to say this this time I didn't use a dice because there was a natural right. ordering of exactly the, you know going up in yeah. in numbers. Yeah. But in yeah. I would say almost every other episode I still use dice to just one die. Oh wow! To um ah. decide the order. So. Well, perhaps I should do that in, in, in think, some way and try and channel it. Did you publish these on on the social media outlets? I did. Aha! Yeah. Yeah. And what? And have you seen any anyone's response? Uh, well, they've am, only I, been... am I alone in my <laughs> ignorance? They've only been published uh, for the period that we've actually been recording. Oh, okay. So, uh, but we do have. Let's have a look. We do have one uh, comment. On it yeah, from Mike saying no doubt Mark has got it wrong. Yeah, thanks. He Mike. says Mike says three is fake, yep. and that time is right now. At the end, doesn't seem very Trump-like. You see, so, uh, ah, yeah. you see, that's what so I fell for. The now, right now, it was the well. The two tells for me were either time is now, right now, or is what that is. is well, that, a, yeah, that was the. Yeah, I added the, in all those things. Yes, so. exactly. I know. Well, yeah, I yeah. know that now. Know that now. <laughs> <laughs> I know that now. Yeah. Conversely, on our Patreon feed, mm-hmm. Andrew Hout, long-term yep. patron, yep. Uh, says he's going with number one. Thank you. Damn a blast! So, well yeah. done, Andrew. Bad yeah. luck, Mark and Mike. Oh, God damn it! You and me, Mike. <laughs> the, the odds are stacked against us. <laughs> it's the system. It's not us. It's the system. And it's time for the part of the episode that this week, at least, is called Classified Documents Are Not a Logical Fallacy because ah, we're back on them again. We've been yeah. talking about the classified documents yeah. in the Mar- Naralago case for a while now. Yeah. There's an interesting little bit of extra thing that's happened mm-hmm. this yeah. week in that CNN uh, announced that um, Jack Smith and the uh, federal prosecutors who are looking into the Naralago documents case have obtained yeah. an audio recording of a uh, a meeting. It was actually a meeting between Trump and some people who were writing a biography uh, for Mark Meadows, his chief right. of staff, one of his yep. many, many chiefs of staff. Yep. It, this was quite soon after there was a piece in The New Yorker by Susan Glasner, I think, um, mm-hmm. about Mark Milley saying that he had had to stop Trump from attacking Iran in the kind of end right. of his pre- uh, presence. Right, yes, 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 yeah, yeah. And, of course, Trump can't stop arguing back about stuff, even yeah. <laughs> when it will very much not be in his interest. Yes, yeah. And yeah. and so, this having recently come out, he uh, said, he talked to these people who were interviewing him about this and, and wanted yeah. to prove to them that... Actually, Mark Milley was totally in favour of, yeah. of attacking Iran. And in fact, he could prove it because he had a classified document <laughs> that, that, was, that he'd love to be able to show them. Yeah. But he couldn't show them because uh, it's classified. It's classified. It wasn't allowed to. And if only yeah. he thought, like when he was president, of, of declassifying it, then he'd be able to. Yeah. Um, and we don't know exactly what was said because they CNN haven't got the recording. They haven't heard the recording, right. but they have heard reports about the recording from people who are aware of it and who have heard it. Right. Um, and so their reporting is that uh, not only did he talk about this document, 
and suggest with what he was saying that he knew he understood the concept of classified documents. Yeah, yeah. But I'm waving it about. Yeah, well, that's the thing. There was being also able to show it to them. Papery, rustlingy kind oh, of noises. Right. Oh my god! That yeah. suggested maybe he had it, or maybe you know, it's possible that he was just waving about some paper and like in an indication of this is what a document's like while he's right. talking yeah. about this classified document. But yeah, yeah, it's possible that he had it at the time, waving it around, going, "I've got this thing wow. that proves that Millie." Totally wanted to attack Iran. Bloody hell. I mean, that's this not is, and This is great. July 21. Yes. So quite some time after having been president. Yeah. This was, I think, before his lawyers signed the thing saying, yeah, we totally haven't got any more classified documents. You've, you've got them all now. Apart from the um, And before, the obviously it was before the raid by the FBI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, and, wow. and now yeah. they yeah. say that the, the Trump's lawyers say they don't have or can't find at least this document that is being referred He's to. He's talking about it. Uh, so and it possible... wasn't even at Mar-a-Lago either. No, this was that at Bevins. the other thing. It was at, yeah. So, yeah. God. Yeah. It's so, got them all over the place. Yeah. 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 Um, and the weird mm-hmm. thing is that this uh, audio recording, I don't yeah. think comes from Mark Meadows' ghostwriters. I, th- oh, okay. I believe that it comes from Trump's one of Trump's communications directors, Margot Martin, who recorded right. all of his meetings because he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> and he didn't learn yeah. anything from Nixon yeah. having yeah. had all his crimes recorded <laughs> and then ending up in trouble for it. Yeah. So I think largely because he is obsessed with people misrepresenting him. So he thinks, well, if I have a recording of it, I can prove, if they kind of edit me badly or something, I can prove what I actually said. But it also proves him actively criming while being recorded. The sound of Trump criming, yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. At least with Nixon, it was just paranoia. Yeah. And he knew exactly what he was doing. Whereas Trump, it's not so much paranoia as ego. Yeah. And he doesn't think about it in terms of anything other than that. I just need to prove to people that I said what I actually said and not what they've reported me as saying. And he doesn't think that. So as a consequence of me recording everything, all of the things that I the other people there well there you go we're back to the fallacy <laughs> that other people consider crimes well i don't uh-huh. because i was the president so i could do anything i like yeah. i was the president i'm not now but I, but my not only to my <laughs> instant declassification because i just have to think about it apply but also my presidential infallibility continues to apply yeah so i can record everything and everything that I do is fine because I used to be the president. So, oh, man. Now, a lot well, of the reporting around this has focused on the fact that Trump has previously claimed that he just declassified everything. And yeah. this is, a, as you said, some time after he stopped mm. being president. And he <laughs> yeah. appears, at least, maybe to have, if the reporting on this is accurate, which we have no information on but no reason to assume that it's not particularly mm-hmm. that he seems to have been referring to this as a classified document or at least indicating that it was something that he couldn't he wasn't allowed to show people right and so the reporting has focused on the fact that this proves he didn't declassify stuff 
because if he declassified stuff, okay. he'd be allowed to show yep. it. There wouldn't be any right any barrier. To that. Right. Okay. So that's so that's fine. So all what he's got is a <laughs> bunch of classified documents at his golf club at Bedminster. At Bedminster. Well, this is the thing because as we've said several times yeah. now, whether these documents were classified or declassified is actually not important for at yeah. least the laws that were cited on the search warrant when the FBI raided right. Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those laws don't require the documents that Trump kept and willfully refused to hand back over to be classified at all. They're just government documents right. and you're still not allowed to do it. They weren't his personal property. They were government property yeah. and he kept yeah. them. He was asked for them, didn't give them back. That's against the law. There's other yeah. laws about classified documents that this arguably tips into more issues with the Espionage Act because not only is it potentially a classified document that he's not just willfully keeping, but he's not showing people the document, but he's telling people stuff that the document is about, and that's, yeah. a, that's yeah. a form of disseminating information that is from a classified document. So that yeah. that it sounds like he was recorded committing the crime in and of itself... <laughs> Not just yeah. evidence of other crimes, yeah. but also it's the willful knowledge of having those documents. Yeah. Because although there are many crimes where you do the crime and that you are convicted of the crime, it doesn't matter whether you knew it was illegal or not. Yeah. With a lot of the kind of documents type crimes and the Espionage Act stuff, you have to have willfully done these willfully, things. You have right. to have known it against mm. the law and done it anyway. Yeah. And that's obviously the hardest thing to prove. You can yeah. prove that someone did a thing, but proving that they did it knowing it was against yeah. the law yeah. is actually often tricky unless you have a defendant like Trump. <laughs> yes, or yeah, or whether they did it willfully. Yeah. I mean that's the, the same argument is being applied to uh, Boris yeah. and his willful misleading of parliament. You know, he, we know he misled parliament because yeah. he got fined for the things that he said he didn't do and but whether he willfully did it that's the thing they've got to prove of course he fucking did but you know <laughs> is it possible to prove it so if he if trump is yeah willfully did he willfully well the, the thing is to, this to this, do this stuff at least suggests that he well it takes away the defense that he didn't know what was what documents he had yeah. For example. Yes. Yes. Because yes. he could say, well, with, you know, people, someone else packed the boxes they and they were just in the storage in the thing. Yeah. I, didn't, I yeah. don't know what's there. You know, take it if you want. It's not my thing. Yeah. Obviously, the, you know, and, and things like the, the, you know, the folder was only in his bedroom because he was using it to cover the light on his, on yeah. the phone on his bedside table and stuff like yeah. that. Cause, it's not. Because, yeah, because that's what you do is go yeah, down yeah. to the safe yeah, and get, get one of those out. Secret folder and, yeah. Yeah. So. Rather than. So any yeah, argument that he's made guide. that that you know these were just boxes that had been brought by someone else to Mar-a-Lago and and yeah. again yes this is Bedminster as well so it's another thing yeah. again <laughs> yeah. but that he didn't know what was in them here he is specifically describing the contents of one of the documents that he should no longer have access to yeah and that's not great and boast and kind of it in a boastful yeah, way yeah much. i've got this thing i could yeah. tell you about it love to tell you about well, it. well i can't because yeah, it's classified yeah. yeah i've got it and i've got it because i was a president so yeah so it's not great for him it's no. great for us <laughs> it's great for us <laughs> and yeah. uh and the other thing is that 
if this is one of Margot Martin's tapes of his meetings yeah. with people, yeah. it kind of raises the question of, does Jack Smith also have many other audio tapes? Because mm. she certainly recorded many others. Yeah. Because it was kind of their their thing. What they, they did, yeah. yeah. That was yeah. the standard practice. Yeah. So, and, and what did he say in some of those things? <laughs> but also, also, you know, preempting one of the, the fallacies that we're going to look at is I want to say, well, why is she releasing that now? Well, she, I mean, she isn't What's her releasing it. It's not right. her. But where have they, how have they got hold of it? We don't know exactly how the, uh, the federal prosecutors have got hold of it. It may be mm. that they have interviewed her as a potential witness. Mm-hmm. They've interviewed mm-hmm. a lot of his staff. And if they said, you know, if the, if one of their questions is, do you yeah. do you have any documentary have any recordings stuff? Yeah. Mm. It may be that that yeah, it was mentioned at that point. It may be that they were aware that this was a practice that he did and had subpoenaed the tapes from her or something like that. Yeah, you no, know, I don't. We don't know the details of of how they got hold of it, but it doesn't seem to have been something that she's like okay now decided to release. It's it's something that they have they've got hold of, and CNN were made aware by someone that they had it. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. But the the tape Ooh. itself has hasn't been leaked or released. Yeah. As yeah. of yet. But then uh, the other thing is kind of it's you know having um, read Woodward's book. We know that these kind of recordings have existed in the past, or you know, he he even made some when interviewing Trump's staff. And you just think, what is it about the likes of Trump and Johnson that they commit these heinous crimes that anyone on the left would be hung, drawn, hung, drawn and quartered for, and yet they just it's business as usual for them is it is it something to do with well we know it is for trump because we're reading mary trump's book it's it's something in the culture of their upbringing and i'm including boris in that that they just assume that they will get away with it so they behave like they will get away with the stuff yeah and that they have the right to do what they're doing just because of who they are and in a a bit like Doctor Who and his blank piece of paper that can stand in for anything, you you show it to people and they will believe what you say to them. You say, "I have the right to be able to do this." So I mean, I'm it's just always worked it. up to now. That's the thing. Yeah. They, they, yeah, yeah. They've got away with it up to now, so they assume yeah. that they're going to continue to get away with it. And I, yeah, and on it, the strength of having got away yeah. with it. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of kind of terrifying, and if in my research of Nadine Dorries, there are bits where where so she's in the select committee, and part of the interview with um, Mike Nicholson, who asked her those questions, the, the Scottish National Party guy, she she says, "So you're talking to me about my tweet? I've got the right to do it because I'm a, a woman on the end of abusive tweets, so I can do all the abusive tweets." But then, but she also says but if we look at your tweets she just pulls the she's <laughs> a grown woman a gr- in charge of a government department and yet she pulls the yeah well i expect if we look at your stuff we'll find some problems <laughs> yeah and, so and it, you are <laughs> yeah and, and so some of trump's defense of the 
you know, oh yeah, they so they found this tape. He would just go, oh, you should look at Joe Biden's. And in, in I mean, true fashion, yeah. it's escalated to, you know, he's got 150 million documents that he shouldn't have stuffed up his trouser legs, you know, or in the in the trunk of his car. He, he started repeatedly claiming that lots of Biden documents were sent to Chinatown, uh, where they don't even speak English. He's right. said on multiple occasions, which is yeah. irrelevant which and not true. Yeah, and also, uh, well, if you're sending secret documents <laughs> written in English to somewhere where they don't speak yeah. English... Less of a then, problem. Then less of a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's, yeah, what's the problem? Yeah, what they're going to do? Throw them away because they don't understand them, or or treasure them as kind of artistic <laughs> things? That that stuff. He said that this week. He said yeah, yeah. Biden has got hundreds of thousands of documents that he shouldn't have, and the journalists were well, probably on Fox. <laughs> it might have been on CNN, but even the journalists just went, "Well, you know that's not true. That isn't true. <laughs> Why is there any deference afforded these people at all? Just stop." So the it was refreshing the interview of Boris in the uh, the airport. At one point, Boris said, "Well, yeah, you said it was a stitch up," and the journalist said, "I didn't. <laughs> I said to you, you are saying this is a stitch up. Who is stitching <laughs> you up?" And he said, "Well, yeah, you said it was your stitch up. No, I didn't. I'm not having that. You pompous twat. We didn't say that bit, but you know. But it, it is was that implied. Kind of, it's always it was implied. implied. It's, when it's you're talking implied. to Boris." You pompous twat. Uh, excuse me, pompous twat. It's like if he you're did. talking to Tucker Carlson, flabby racist, yeah. is, flabby racist. is implied yeah. in a, at the end of every sentence. It's you a, flabby racist. It's, it's like that. It's exactly, yeah. Yeah. In, in that kind of in-breath, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. What the, that's what's filling that gap. When people are pausing, you know, some people speak quicker than others, so the pause is, but, but the pause is filled with mm-hmm. you flabby racist. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. Okay, I've been putting off doing a story on the debt ceiling debate for what feels like months now because it's an incredibly boring topic and not at all <laughs> funny. But now McCarthy and Biden have both conceded some stuff they said they definitely wouldn't concede and the Fiscal Responsibility Act has passed, so I guess I have to talk about it. Just don't expect me to make it funny or interesting. <laughs> Basically, the Republicans threatened to trigger a global financial crisis if Democrats insisted on helping poor people, and the media asked why both sides were being so stubborn about it. Biden managed to keep all the funding for Social Security and Medicare, as well as his student loan forgiveness programme, and McCarthy secured an easier route to securing permits for new fossil fuel pipelines and imposing work requirements on some low-income SNAP recipients. Like all good compromises, nobody was really happy, but the good news is that the unhappy people included far-right lunatics like Lauren Boebert, who campaigned against the bill and then didn't even show up to vote against it. She claimed later that this was a protest of sorts, saying, I certainly let all of my colleagues in the country know I was against this garbage of a bill and against bypassing the voice of each representative. Of course, the traditional way for a congressperson to let everyone know they're against a bill is to, you know, vote against it. But thanks to a video that emerged on social media today, we know that actually she didn't deliberately protest the vote. She was just so bad at her job that she arrived late and missed it. Jackson Lemire, Pastors for Trump group leader, said Satan right now has an entire political party in this nation doing his bidding for free referring, I'm guessing, to the Democratic Party, whose president, in truth, 
is an observant Catholic. He said this at an event held in Trump's name and in his Doral, Florida property. Despite their devotion to the orange self-deity, Pastor Craig Hagen wanted to go on the record that, at Pastors for Trump, we do not worship Donald Trump. We only worship Jesus Christ. And then going on to talk about Trump's second coming. This gathering was followed by another, the Reawaken America Convention. And yes, you're right to notice the Great Awakening QAnon-type reference because it was filled with just those kind of types who revere the presidentially pardoned convicted criminal Michael Flynn, who stood and gave a speech that mostly consisted of playing in a phone call for Trump that told them how marvellous his hotel was and told him to stay wealthy, healthy and well because we're going to bring you back. By this point, Pastor Mark Burns must have been fired up by the presence of America's general that he no longer was advocating good Christian folk to turn the other cheek, but to prepare to smack them back two times harder. The Bible says we take it by force. Amanda Grace, another Q MAGA prophet, agrees that we have to understand the rules of engagement in spiritual warfare and warred against seducing spirits, which are apparently mermaids. <laughs> I have never seen more images of more mermaids and water people in my life, Grace told the crowd, obviously unaware of the popularity of Avatar 2 and the live-action Little Mermaid. The thing is, as we often remind you, it's funny, but the right don't do funny, they think it's real, and they have the vote. Let's hope Prophet Mike Flynn's prophecy that he and Navarro will be up in front of the firing squad is the only one that comes true. Could you get any sense of what the fuck she was talking about with the no. mermaid thing? It was no, it was it reminded me of that other one that somebody was talking about being possessed by devils and that's why they're making that decision and then the, oh, the yeah. who, Jewish people aren't demons, they're possessed yes, exactly. by demons. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This will shock you, but it turns out former Trump lawyer and Four Seasons Landscaping press conference host Rudolph Giuliani may not be a great guy. What? In a story that broke on my birthday, thank you, Universe, how did you know? A former aide of Rudy's is suing him for unlawful abuses of power, wide-ranging sexual assault and harassment, wage theft and other misconduct committed while she worked for him in 2019 and 2020. She alleges, among other things, that he started making sexual advances to her on her first day in the job and continually pressured her into having sex with him. She claims to have numerous audio recordings of Giuliani making sexual comments, demanding sex and making sexist, racist and anti-Semitic remarks. And finally, Rudy is said to have asked her if she knew anyone in need of a pardon because he was selling pardons for $2 million which he and President Trump would split. I don't know how much he made selling pardons, but I think a lot of it might be spent on legal fees pretty soon. <laughs> Rupert Murdoch's professional defamation lawsuit settlers, oh, and news-shaped, legally described as entertainment value-only TV station, Fox News, grabbed some viewers this week by perpetuating a lie published by Murdoch's New York Post that veterans had been kicked out of the Crossroads Hotel in New York to make way for migrants the perfect rage bait headlines. This led in real life to a 911 call being made by the proprietors of the hotel to come and take away someone who was making actual threats of physical harm to the staff as a result. In the same way that that pizza parlour didn't have a cellar, much less any kids, the hotel did not have any veterans staying there, nor any migrants come to displace them. 
The veterans were no such thing. They were guests of a homeless shelter in Poughkeepsie, recruited with an all-you-can-eat meal by Sharon Tony Finch, CEO of the non-profit YIT Foundation, to say, if asked, that they had been kicked out of the hotel, none of which the journalists at Fox investigated. They were too busy shouting about it across their news and business output. For a week, it took the Mid-Hudson News debunking the story twice for Fox to stop promoting the hoax as real. A week after they began and a day after Mid-Hudson published their first piece, Fox began to admit that the story they promoted was fake. Correspondent Nate Foy, who previously claimed to have confirmed the story, offered what he described as a quick update, stating, we're now looking into news reports that a veteran's advocate misled lawmakers and media outlets about a story that some homeless men may have been hired to pose as veterans. Anchor John Roberts responded, there's enough chaos without potentially false stories running around out there. Well, indeed. Even the experience of billions of dollars of lawsuit settlement just can't stop them. It's like the UK's private sewage companies flooding the rivers because it's cheaper to pay the fines than piss off the shareholders. Yeah, when Laura Ingram gave a quick update on it, saying, oh, yeah, this thing we've been talking about, and, like, just focusing on for days. It's been the main thing we've talked about in the same way that over the last couple of days, the main thing they've talked about is Joe Biden falling over at the Air Force commencement ceremony. Yeah, they, they spent days on this. And Laura Ingram went, I don't, know, I don't know why anyone would make up a story like this. It's really weird, but there you go. Complete yeah. mystery why anyone would want to pretend that immigrants are bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's not like it's their business model or anything. No. Exactly. <laughs> why would you yeah. want to do that? Yeah. Yeah. In one of the many GOP voter suppression efforts I could have chosen to talk about this week... Texas Republicans have passed a couple of bills recently which take election oversight away from county election administrators and give it to the Secretary of State under certain circumstances. But don't worry, these laws aren't being applied to all of Texas. That would be crazy. The Secretary of State doesn't have time to oversee all 254 counties in Texas, so they've made the job manageable by setting a very sensible threshold, which means this will only affect counties with a population of over 3.5 million people. Admittedly, That does mean that only Harris County, the largest and bluest county in Texas, will now be subject to arbitrary Republican oversight. But I'm sure that's fine. I mean, it's not like the last Texas Secretary of State filed a lawsuit to try to get Pennsylvania's election result overturned just to help Trump pretend he won or anything. Oh, it is like that. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Yeah. And and because, yeah, they'll just go, yeah, I'm fine. It'll be fine because I'll be very fair because I'm the Secretary of State because Mm. the Secretary of State does fair things. (laughs) Increasingly unpopular populist tech king Elon Musk and increasingly unlikely successful candidate for presidential nomination Ron DeSantis teamed up on Twitter this week to stick it to the television man because Twitter is a place where all voices are heard. Well, unless you're Ron DeSantis announcing he's running for president, in which case the audio starts glitching and then echoing like some kind of early 2020 Zoom conference before we got adolescents to instruct us how to do speaking and moving pictures on our computers. After 20 minutes or so of glitching and host David Sachs saying, we've got so many people here, we're kind of melting the servers, which is a good sign the thing crashed entirely with the message, this space has ended. Fully 25 minutes after the start time, it got underway with under 40,000 viewers, fewer than the 50,000 per minute trying to log on to join the original 600,000. So, yeah, great launch, Ron. 
Well, let's not draw any grimly portentous conclusions from this massive overpriced folly attempting to bring the notion of freedom of speech from inside a right-wing oppressive and physically collapsing infrastructure. Yeah, Twitter's just as bad. I'm loving the fact that MAGA snowflakes who claim council culture is a ridiculous tool of Marxist oppression immediately boycott any company that isn't as hateful and bigoted as they are. And the thing I like most about it is that since no companies are as hateful and bigoted as they are, well, except maybe Hobby Lobby, they are eventually going to have to boycott every single store and they'll have to sit on the floor in their houses watching Newsmax and eating prepper food like Jim Baker's apocalypse buckets. It's Pride Month, of course, or harvest time for the LGBTQ boycotters, and the latest company to come under fire is improbably Chick-fil-A. The conspicuously Christian-owned chicken chain, which liberals already avoid due to their history of donating to anti-LGBTQ groups, didn't start selling burgers in rainbow wrappers like Burger King did back in 2014, earning the performative ire of American Family Association director Brian Fisher, who I regret to inform you is still alive. In fact, Chick-fil-A didn't really do anything to piss off bigots except hiring a VP of diversity, equity and inclusion over a year and a half ago. He's been on their website the whole time, but who the fuck reads the management pages of a fast food website? (laughs) So the chicken-loving bigots have only just noticed he exists and are super pissed off that the chicken company they thought they could count on to be homophobic, transphobic and probably pretty racist might not be everything they hoped for. Some anti-woke folk immediately said they would go elsewhere for their chickeny goodness from now on, and a team of righteous liberal Twitter warriors delighted in pointing those people to the pro-LGBTQ stances of every single other restaurant chain they mentioned. You're going to have to just stop eating chicken. Right then, what's been happening in the UK? Well, Suella Deville Braverman probably was in clear breach of the ministerial code when she used her high office to try to persuade her staff to find a way of getting her out of having to attend a speed awareness course with the general public after having been fined for speeding. But Sunak has his people investigated, and it's fine apparently because she paid the fine and took the penalty points on her license. Realizes she shouldn't have abused her position of power to try not to have to do that, and then tried to cover up trying to do that. Apologized, said in hindsight she shouldn't just have paid up all along. Blamed her inexperience, despite having been imposed before she resigned from Lid Trust's government for breaching the ministerial code and being reappointed to the same post six days later by Sunak. Sunak, who looks increasingly like an accountancy undergraduate doing a work placement as part of his college course, decisively decided that he couldn't decide anything and kind of said, yeah, all right, fair enough, let's just get on with what the British people want institutional racism and systemic health service dismantling dressed up as government policy. Nigel, I'm going to keep creating political parties and failing to get elected with any of them. Farage, king of Brexit, has himself said that Brexit has failed. Everyone has said Brexit has failed. Everyone except Keir Starmer, who is concentrating on appealing to as broad a base of voters as possible to ensure a majority victory greater than the predicted one seat. Starmer is working on the basis that if leave the EU wasn't the answer to all the problems quoted by leave voters, then rejoin the EU isn't the answer to all the problems caused by Brexit, except they are problems that didn't exist before Brexit. And really, we had had most of the problems with belongings to the EU ironed out by Thatcher and Major years ago. 
well, apart from the problem of there being Eurosceptics in the Tory party, which incidentally hasn't been fixed by Brexit, because they're still finding ways to blame the EU for the fact that Brexit has failed. Meanwhile, the Lib Dems, who are probably in with a shout of a coalition government in the next general election, ought to be trumpeting that the king of failures Farage is calling it a failure, just like the Lib Dems had always said, vote for us and we'll go back in. But despite the polls showing 57% to versus 43% in favour of rejoining, much higher than the 52-48 split to leave, they're not saying a word, because they're in shouting distance of a coalition government in 2024. Where, but in Britain, does inegalité and non-fraternité equal liberté? So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this week. You'll find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts or simply tell one other person in person about how much they like our podcasts. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump, just like our newest patron, Lord Tomsick, our straw man level patrons, Renee Zed, Schmoots, Mark Reiki, and Amber R. Buchanan, who told us when we met her at QED, we could just call her Amber, and our true Scotsman level patrons, Stephen Bickle, Janet Uetta, Kaz Tui, Andrew Houck, and our top patron, Lauren. Welcome, Laura, and thank you ever so much, everybody else, for your continued support. You can connect with those awesome people as well as us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fallacious Trump. All music is by The Outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right. Go home to mommy. Bye. Bye. <laughs>